because we love our toys. Uh, and I, I think that's a that's a feature of most hobby kind of fandoms is that oh, man, there's some kind of toy and it, it isn't a question of, oh, well, you're, you've spent enough money. It's it's how much money can I, how, how much of my money can I afford to spend on, on X, Y, Z? another episode of conversation i'm brandon t mcclure with you as always on this journey through fandom and fandom podcasts and what have you um i think that's getting lazier every week but today i am here to talk to robert kirk of the d20 future show um that was a really fun conversation i really liked listening back to this one he's a i know i say that all the time I said it's a really fun conversation the whole time, but I've been talking to some really cool people and I'm really enjoying doing this. So you'll forgive me if I keep repeating myself every week. Robert comes from across the Atlantic uh, from the United States where I am based uh, to talk to me about uh, the, his podcast, the D20 Future Show, um, which I think would still be doing this campaign. I talked to him a couple months ago at this point um, because I pre-record these uh but he was doing a superhero campaign set in the year 2035 he'll tell you all about it um i learned a lot about uh the d20 uh future uh campaign for dnd i learned a lot about dnd uh this was a really informative po- uh, podcast interview for me i don't really have too much to say up top though so i will actually mention a few things that are going on across the fickner podcast network because it's a really important time for us right now June is our fifth anniversary, and our fifth anniversary will be coming up on June 12th, which is a couple days after this podcast airs. So please check it out. We are putting up a brand new episode, a brand new special, um, The I believe I called the annual, the Figner Podcast Annual 2021. Um, we've already recorded it. It's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of us are saying, and I, and I think this is true, it's probably the best thing we've ever done. My co-host of the Fickner Podcast, Sparks Witty, who I've talked to, uh, who I talked to uh, on two episodes of this po- of this podcast, uh, he put this whole thing together, and it was a really great time. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And if you like this podcast, then chances are you're probably going to like the Fickner Podcast. So what better way to ch- to jump in than the fifth anniversary? Uh, I can't believe we've been making podcasts for five years. We started with one show, and now we have. I think this is seven, so there you go, and more to come. There's, of course, plenty of other shows on the Fickner Podcast Network, such as the Fickner Podcast. Uh, this coming week, we're going to be talking about Sweet Tooth. This past week, we talked about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. We've got Basement Arcade and Basement Arcade Pause Menu. There's a new episode coming out, actually, tomorrow when this drops. There's uh, Fickner's Watch, which is starting Loki soon. Um, and, of course, guys, you know, I can't reiterate enough, and I'm sorry I'm going to repeat myself, but the fifth anniversary is something special. Um, I can't believe we're here i hope you guys check it out and hope you guys like it but i'm not here to wax poetic about my podcast network i am here to tell you about this show conversation uh if you'd like to be a part of this podcast part of the show part of this conversation um email me fakenerdguys at gmail.com the link is in the description below as well as you can find everywhere else with me i'll tell more about the links after the interview but I'm very interested in getting into different types of fandoms. So if you have a fandom podcast, a geek podcast, a sports podcast, a gaming podcast, anything, um, please feel free to get in contact with me at guys at gmail.com or on my personal social medias. I always check everything. All right. I think that's enough rambling from me. So without further ado, 
Here's Robert Kirk from the D20 Future Podcast. Okay, I am here with Richard Kirk of the D20 Future Show. How are you, sir? Oh, not too bad. Yourself? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, it's early for me. It's 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 late for you. <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty much the way it is. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about your show? Uh, so we play the tabletop role-playing game D20 Future, and then we turn it into an audio show. Um, we and uh, the, and our strapline is, and sometimes we are idiots. Uh, <laughs> so this is uh, that, that's that's pr- pretty much the the pitch. So we um, yeah we we play a tabletop role-playing game, uh, not unlike Dungeons and Dragons, which is of course the best known. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, and, and we then record that. At the minute, we're also live. Uh, broadcasting over twitch every okay. other tuesday i nearly said nights but of course to your listeners not so much um <laughs> but yeah every every other tuesday at half past six uh, i say that knowing full well that i'm going to be doing a thing with work next week and that we're probably going to be doing it on a wednesday okay um, um yeah what we, is the... we broadcast the lame the game live as well okay very cool so what is the d20 future show i don't i've never heard of that so uh, D20 Future is a, uh, it depends on how much uh, you or your listeners know about role-playing games, but uh, Dungeons & Dragons, uh, at its third edition, uh, uh, they opened the license up for people to use essentially the, the kind of the template of the game in different ways. Uh, Wizards of the Coast themselves published a version called D20 Modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, stripped away a lot of the fantasy tropes and was the idea was that you worked for uh, an organization of some kind of law enforcement or spy organization in the modern day. And they did a supplement which was uh, allowed to kind of introduce sci-fi elements. And uh, so D20 Future is is a supplement of that, which is a version of, I think, strictly speaking, 3.5 edition Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, so that's the kind of base um the the really top line view is that you roll a d20 and big numbers are good and small numbers are bad when you want to when you want to know what what you can do okay. uh, and that's uh, yeah and we are at the minute we're playing a superhero campaign so they are superheroes in manchester in 2035 in the uk and we are kind of live hacking the system for superhero abilities which is currently not breaking the system uh, and we will see how we go as they level up as to at which point I break the system and it just doesn't work anymore. Oh, that sounds interesting. I've never heard of... Uh, obviously, I've heard of D&D, but I've never heard of uh, any of the subsequent ones. Well, we are, uh, as a show, um, I say we, I am, as the host and GM, and thus the public face of the show, basically a real advocate for there are other games out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, D&D 5th Ed, which is the one that everybody plays, is cool it's really good Uh, i would not in any way suggest it's not a really good game it isn't a perfect game and it doesn't do everything and i think there's a there's a sort of there's an element of the role-playing community who just say well we'll just we'll just use fifth ed and we'll we'll adapt it and hack it and adjust it when there are other games that do other things um there are some wonderful sci-fi games out there i'm a big fan of the expanse role-playing game which is by green ronin Mm-hmm. based on the the books um which also had their their tv the tv show the expanse which is great um and i'm yeah i'm a big fan of that game and we will be running through a campaign of that as our story arc comes to an end with our superhero campaign okay. uh, there are i mean if, if you want to play horror games there are horror games that manage just that so much better than fifth ed which is really designed for 
kind of heroic fantasy. So yeah, we we play lots of different games, but it tends to be long campaigns. So um, so it, it feels like we're sticking with a thing for a long time. Uh, we okay. have we've played D anD D. It's as I say, it's, it's really good, and there's lots of support for it. I think they've they've cracked onboarding people in a way that not every mm-hmm. game has. The most I know about D anD D came from a um, episode of Do Go On. Okay. Yep. They did an episode about it, and I was like, "Oh, this is really interesting." Uh, I mean, D and D is really good fun. Uh, I I know uh, one of the other one of the other um, hosts of your your fake nerd. Is it? I, I fake nerd podcast. You've got yes. fake nerd podcast in big letters under these, so um, that's <laughs> that's what I've called it. It's it's uh, fake nerd real fan. I think is the is the specific show. Is that right? Uh, no, we have. Um, I don't think that's us. Fake nerd real fan. If there is another show. I gotta talk to them. No, um, no, we have Fake Nerd Podcast, we have okay. Basement Arcade, we have Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Fake Nerds Watch, and Fake Nerd Book Club. Those are our shows. Okay. Well, I I, I heard it was it was one of you guys because you were you were one of them. I, I recognize you uh, talking about how they caught up on Critical Role. That's our um, that's our co-star Ryan. He just caught up on Critical go. Role, and then our co our co-host Ben. He plays D and D. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, someone who watches Critical Role but doesn't play D anD D. Well, he he's playing. He's creating a uh, role playing game. Ah, right. Okay. So he's cool. creating one of his own. Hmm. Um. Okay. So that's really that's really cool. I had no idea. So prior to so I I, I asked people a lot of the same questions. So I'm going to ask you just sure. kind of um how did you interact with that kind of fandom? I and if you can give us a uh, a kind of general overview of what that fandom is like prior to you starting your podcast. Okay, well, our, our kind of the story of our show is is um, it's kind of strange insofar as I, uh, due to mostly bouts of insomnia, read through the rules to D Twenty Modern, which I I, I owned, mm-hmm. uh, having bought it in a sort of fit of enthusiasm that never really turned into anything. Um, and then so yeah. So, series of sleepless nights i read through it because you gotta do something when you can't sleep mm-hmm. and thought i this this could be a lot of fun like this this could work invited some friends to play and after one session somebody said we should record this okay. um, and so session two we recorded it um and it seemed like a really obvious idea to put it out as a podcast after that because anyone could put out a podcast it's easy and um it turns out it's not it's not that easy and it took me a i did have to do a fair bit of work to to learn how to do each of the many things required but mm-hmm. it, yeah i kind of i got involved in the fandom by starting a podcast I see. um which is yeah i, I think most people get established in the fandom and then start of a podcast inspired by it rather than getting the book going we should play this we should turn this into a podcast, which was, uh, yeah, it was kind of our journey. So you had, so you already had friends who were, who were kind of interested in it and you were, I sort uh, of, I, I found friends who would give it a go, I think rather than, so I had one friend who, uh, also listened to D and D is for nerds. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, um, yeah, Soundspans Radio podcast. So, um, Adam, who is part of the cast and I, we both listened to that and that, I think both gave us the nudge to go. We we should give this a go. I, the book came off my bookshelf, and yeah. Uh, so he was he was the first person I invited. But other than that, it was 
who seems like the sort of person who would have a good time doing this and that was that that was the criteria oh, uh, and i found some guys at church for whom that was uh yeah that I, I thought they would enjoy and turns out i was right oh, that's very cool so you basically jumped into the deep end pretty much yeah okay. um uh, and we yeah we've kind of we've sort of kept going and as as the sort of the face of the show i've been able to to get involved in um in in the fandom in a much more kind of active way i guess than than the rest of the cast um by being invited to be involved in uh, conventions so in the uk there are a number of role playing game conventions that happen throughout the year and i am terrible at attending most of them but uh, we have uh, there's a one that specifically welcomes podcasters called dragon meet okay which takes place uh, towards the end of the year and that uh, we, we there is a podcast zone where uk role play game podcasters which is a, a really specific nerddom i think um, in that we we are obsessive about role play games and editing and producing podcasts right uh, we we get together and, and and network and interview each other and then uh, play games together um, and that that's been I, I guess my big connection to to the fandom has been through through that okay that's that's interesting okay so uh you do these conventions can you give us a sense of <clears throat> what the D fandom is like i recently spoke to someone who's part of the tiki fandom okay um, which is not something i've ever heard of and much similar i don't know really i don't know a whole lot about the D fandom so i um i'm kind of looking to you to, to to give me a sense of like what that fandom is like okay i mean the D fandom is huge um and i, I think it's it's become enormous in the last i, I guess 10 years or so um i think there's there's always this kind of stereotypical idea of uh, really really geeky people with difficult you know who who find social skills difficult and I think think we as a fandom have kind of managed to mostly uh, kind of dispel that as a myth. Uh, it, it's something that's a sort of joke within the community that every month or so uh, a major newspaper will discover that people play D and D and like it. Oh, sure. uh, and in particular, a series of about five celebrities that get named over and over again. Um, so uh, Vin Diesel very mm. famously plays D and D. Joe Manganiello, the uh, enormously buff actor, um, mm. he is a, a just obsessive D and D nerd uh, who runs a, a game in Hollywood mm -hmm. for a collection of people. Um, so the the yeah, the fandom is 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 I would guess pretty wide and diverse. There are people who love it for the kind of tactical problem solving side of things, uh, for whom the the maths and and the dice rolling and stuff is 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 the thing. But there are also people who want to create stories together, and I think that's that's one of the things that D and D and other tabletop role playing games do that other fandoms, other hobbies don't really have is this we create a shared story together mm -hmm. and that really draws people in. And so people become quite kind of dedicated um, to it just because it's, it's such a, a personal and rich experience to gather with your friends and tell an epic story together. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, uh, did you see Joe Manganiello uh, call out Vin Diesel on Stephen Colbert at one time? Uh, I didn't know. I missed that. <laughs> He Stephen Colbert said, uh, you know, Vin Diesel plays, and Joe Manganiello was like, um, look, I run like the 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 game in Hollywood, I don't know anyone who plays with him. 
I, I mean, he, he definitely plays. I've seen videos of him doing it, but um, the the game that Joe Manganiello runs is, yeah, is is a whole other level. Yeah, um, I've seen he, his, yeah. his like his like uh, his basement. Yeah, his dungeon. He calls it. He calls it his dungeon. He plays oh, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons in a dungeon. Uh, there's a big dragon head on the wall. Insane. Um, yeah, it's it's. Hey, he he's got the room we kind of all wish we had. Um, That's, you know what? Even I wish I had that room. Yeah, I mean it. It's a pretty cool room, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's one of the the weird things about the the pandemic and the lockdown is we've all had to radically adjust how we run our games. Yeah, but um, and one one of the problems that I have is that there's so much stuff that you want to use. And there's nowhere to put it on my computer desk because I have keyboards and mice and sound equipment and so on. Um, when you're playing at a table, there's normally it's, it's a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect Joe Manganiello's table has enough room to put most of your things. And of course, <laughs> he has racks and racks of miniatures and scenery and so on, um, yeah. all, mine of which are all in, in, in those cupboards. Um, I, I have, don't have the same scale of stuff that, uh, that, that Joe does, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> Hey man, someday, someday your podcast will take off, and then you'll be able to do it. I mean, I, I'm I'm fairly certain that it, it's it's have a podcast, fame and money. That those are the, the it's the one inevitably follows the other. That's the plan, right? I, yeah, that's totally it. I've been doing this for 230 episodes, Victor Podcast, and that's the next step. So yeah, I guess it, inevitable. Um, also, we are now Twitch affiliates, so I'm pretty sure again, fame and money is the inevitable next step. There you go, so man, you're you're getting there. Uh, at which point, enormous house. Um, yeah, enormous table, really big table. That's that's the the thing as a as a um, as a games master that I really want is a really big table. I so would imagine that would be like the things. That'd be like the goal. If if you ever watch Critical Role, you'll see Matt has gone and got this. Uh, so Matt Mercer is the, um, the the DM, the guy who runs the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a screen and a table, and it, and it it kind of looks like he's got he's this quite close setup. But if you ever see, uh, quite often at the end of the show, they'll sort of pan up to another camera. And this table he's got is the size of a ping pong table just for his stuff. Um, and I, when I first saw it, I immediately tweeted, you know, if you want your G, because there's this kind of meme within the community that yeah. everyone's really disappointed that their DMs aren't Matt Mercer, because he is obviously, <laughs> he's a hugely talented voice actor. So he does lots of voices and and. Mm-hmm. and He's a talented improviser, and he knows the rules really well. He's kind of a, a, a lot of what people would would shoot for, and particularly if your kind of your entry point to the game is is critical role, you kind of think, oh well, that's what it's like. And then you turn up with, you know, guys from school that you know who they're, they're not they're not world class voice talents, and mm-hmm. they're not brilliant improvisers, and and they don't know the rules that well, and and it can all feel like oh, it wasn't that wasn't as good. Well, give your DM a table that big. And he will be, you know, he will be a lot closer to being Matt Mercer than uh, <laughs> than you might think, because because he's not going. Oh, now where's the thing? Where's the? Because you've got room to lay out your books, room to lay out all the miniatures, right? Um, enough dice, a dice, all that stuff. Uh, dice is is one of our our obsessions within within the hobby. We we love dice. Um, yeah, I have a I have a have... friend who collects dice. That's that's full of dice. Oh, um, wow. I think I'm seen as a bit of a dice purist in that I don't have that many. Uh-huh. Um, well, but you just showed me a box of dice, though. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not very many dice. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and not only will people have an enormous amount of dice, but also spend a lot of money on dice. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I like to have sets of dice. So, for... where is it? Ah, here it is. Here's the box of dice that I will use most of the time. So, that's kind nice. of one set with a couple of add ons. Uh -huh. um, and then this box is for when I'm going to be, when I'm DMing in particular. So, I'm going to need lots of D20s, but you, you might need more dice. When people come over, obviously they need their own set of dice, so I've got spares. That's the kind of, that's the thinking. But I, people buy metal dice. They buy um, custom-made, beautiful dice with fancy fonts. Um, there's a, a Kickstarter running at the minute for dice that connect with Bluetooth to your phone or your laptop what? that have uh, programmable lighting up patterns. Um, oh my god! Because we love our toys. Uh, and I, I think that's a that's a feature of most hobby kind of fandoms is that oh, man, there's some kind of toy and it, it isn't a question of oh well you you've spent enough money. It's it's how much money can I how how much of my money can I afford to spend on on X, Y, and Z? And yeah. I like I'm here looking at your your dice and you, of course you say that it's like, yeah, how many Funko Pops I have. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, and um, I, I'm I'm a, a musician, and I, I have my guitar collection pretty much under control, but mm -hmm. I, I have some expensive guitars because they're better, um, and it's sometimes, nicer. And you know, sometimes you just want that one expensive thing. That's that's the way it goes. Uh, I have in fact found a set of dice that I quite want that are that are um, somewhere around thirty five dollars for for the set. Um, I, I, I can't quite justify it just just yet, but um, I, uh, you know, we talk about like you know you want that, that one expensive thing. I um, I'm a big I'm a big lightsaber guy. I'm not necessarily okay. a huge Star Wars fan, but I really mm -hmm. like lightsabers. Lightsabers are cool. Yeah, that's I mean that's self evident. Um, so I so Disneyland has the Galaxy's Edge where you can build your own lightsaber, and I've wanted to go mm -hmm. for a long time, and I couldn't before it closed down. But then Force Effects came out with my favorite lightsaber, which is the Dark Saber, from okay. the Clone Wars yep. and Rebels TV series, mm -hmm. or Mandalorian if you've watched that. Yeah, and so it, it's a, it's a really nice high end diecast metal with a light up blade, and it comes it's detachable. It's two hundred fifty dollars, and I'll be real with you, I bought it because <laughs> like okay. I was like, yep. holy shit, yes. Sometimes you want a thing and. It, it just you you do what I've heard referred to as the man maths and 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 you you go for it. <laughs> the what's the man maths? The man math, yeah. Um, you you justify it to yourself by uh, by just by working out uh, just finding some way of of tricking yourself into saying that that is an amount of your disposable income that you can justify <laughs> on your hobby, even though um, it is not. Even though we all deep down we know we know it's not. Yeah. yeah, you're basically looking at that going like I could afford not to eat for a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you when you start looking at and and food budget terms, it starts to become too complicated, um, mm -hmm. because yeah, the, the reality of of what you're actually spending is is confronted. But um, yeah, I, I I try not to do that. I I mostly have my spending under control. But yeah. then something hits Kickstarter. Um, but the last kind of really bad one with that was the Expanse role playing game, where I I went in at at quite a high level, which, but it. I justified it to myself in that I got everything. So I so, got I got the rules. I got the the GM screen, which has cool art on one side and helpful tables on the other. I got uh, like handout sheets with uh, bits of the rules on. 
I got uh, like adventures. So there was a there's a, a pre written campaign and an introductory adventure, and we got all of those. So I, I got loads of stuff in my box when it arrived. Uh, because the great thing about Kickstarter is that you spend the money, and then there's this long delay where you forget about how much it cost, and then free stuff turns up. <laughs> And that's that's great, um, and and a problem for people who yeah need to manage their budgets because yeah it it feels so good when the free stuff turns up. That's true. I I recently did a Kickstarter for a magazine, uh, Kaiju Ramen. And, okay. Uh, forgot about it. I was at the higher tier. I forgot mm-hmm. about it. All of a sudden, a shirt came. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, and Kickstarter. RPG Kickstarter, it, it seems to be how almost everybody publishes new games and I'm new sure. books now. Mm-hmm. So your kind of real top tier companies, which is essentially Wizards of the Coast and Paizo, they can say, oh, we're going to publish a book. We have a full-time staff. They will work on the book. We will publish the book. Enough people will buy the book. Mm-hmm. But basically everybody else does it through Kickstarter because they haven't got the the capital to do a print run of a, a mate of a hardback book mm-hmm. and then uh, hold on to the stock and then sell it that they, they they haven't got that money so they they f- crowdfund it through kickstarter and that allows them to do enough to get started and have stock in their print run as well as knowing they've sold lots of the game right okay um so why did you choose future d20 future i'm i'm, I'm a sci-fi guy um, I, I've, I've kind of always loved sci-fi um, going back to the cartoons I liked as a kid um, it, Pew Pew Lasers is just that that deeply appeals to me mm-hmm. um, I, I am wearing a Doctor Who shirt at the minute uh, Doctor Who hoodie that's you know I, I, I love sci-fi I think that's why it took me until my 30s to get into roleplay games mm-hmm. because so much of it is is Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy and it's all right, but I've always read sci-fi books, watched sci-fi movies, and so on. Um, so it was only really when I discovered the sci-fi side of it that I kind of dived in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it it's a, a more niche, uh, I, th- I think, just because uh, fantasy within role playing is, is so much the mainstream that there are there are fewer sci-fi games, but that's it's what I really enjoy, and enough people and certainly enough people that i've met are willing to give something new a go um i I think my uh, the cast for my show some of them would really rather be playing fantasy but they they you know it we form a group together so we kind of make it work and and Mm -hmm. we will we will play some fantasy games um so while we haven't put it out for the show through lockdown while i was going through our backlog and publishing that we uh, we played a D and D campaign. Oh, I see. Um, okay. So, uh, George, one one of our cast in particular, is a, is a really if he had his way, it would be fantasy. Mm-hmm. So we we try and try and keep it mixed up. There are so many D and D podcasts. There's like three in the group that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I always wondered like I just assumed that was all there was. But did you decide was part of your decision to pick future to kind of like carve your own path? 
Not really. I mean, it's it's kind of worked like that. I mean, I I have started describing our show as the world's premier D twenty future stream. Uh, <laughs> that, that is because, as far as I'm aware, we're the only one who streams D twenty future. Um, then you, but, then you have the right to say that exactly that. It, it, if if a bigger show comes up, then um, we will we will you know we will have some conversation about how we divide up the title of the world's premier show. But at the minute, we're it mm-hmm. uh, partly because it's it's now a relatively old game. So uh, Dungeons and Dragons, as I say, D20 Modern, which uh, was turned into D20 Future, was based on 3.5 edition, so uh, a sort of revised version of 3rd edition. 4th edition came out, which was very divisive. Um, Lots of people didn't like it. It became much more of a kind of tactical war game and less of a storytelling game. And then Fifth Ed came out and was much more a return to the storytelling, but hugely slicker and simplified. Mm-hmm. So uh, on a, a, a D20 future or a, a third edition character sheet, there is a big section that is skills. And those skills you buy points in, and that allows you to be better at some things than others. On a uh, on a Fifth Ed character sheet, your skills are linked to stats, and it's just it's you can choose ones that you kind of bump up, but otherwise everything is kind of calculated for you, and it's really straightforward. So that okay. it, it that kind of improved slickness means that it's just much more accessible, and so that has become so popular that the kind of third edition game that that I'm I'm playing is is maybe a bit old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it's the one I know. And I think that that fundamentally is is for me is I've put the time in to learn how it works. So this is what we do. I um, I, I if everybody in if everybody in the cast really wanted to move over to a a, a fifth edition version um, kind of sci fi game, I I definitely look at it and try and learn it because I, I the rules are, of a fifth edition are pretty straightforward. But mm-hmm. it's once you've invested the time in learning one of these kind of big sets of rules they are they are so complicated that it it does just take a bit of time to to get around it sure and that's not not so tricky as a player but as a, someone running the game you really do have to have a good idea of how a lot of it runs i would imagine you have to yeah i mean as the the uh dm is they called uh, so uh gm games master yeah. is kind of like the generic term for dungeons okay. and dragons they have trademarked dungeon master dm so they're, they're often used interchangeably but that yeah, but you, so, you have to keep all that. You have to keep all that in your head, like an entire story in your head. You keep uh, so rules-wise, you keep a lot of it in your head. I would mm-hmm. say story-wise, it depends. That there are lots of different styles of of guys running games. So there are ones who will sit down and they've got a vague idea of where it's going, and together you will create the story and they will improvise stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are guys who will make a plan. Um, and no plan survives contact with the enemy, and no D and D campaign really survives contact with the players because they will do things you don't expect. They will become obsessed with things that you didn't really think were a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a pretty common trope that you will at some point find a goblin, and they will become your pet. It's um, <laughs> not part of the story, and now you're stuck with a goblin, at which you have to try and make part of the story and not mm-hmm. kill off, and so on. So that 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 kind of thing is. Um, yeah, is it a it sort of happens, or you can run one of the pre-written adventures. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm running for a, a, a game not for broadcast, uh, a, a an adventure called Storm King's Thunder, which is a D and D wizard's book, 
and that has lots of the work laid out mm-hmm. um a a really kind of robust framework for you to improvise on top of um and i i like to make stuff up and i like to be creative with it so i don't run it exactly as the book says in lots of ways but it's a really helpful kind of because it, it gives you the grand arc of the story uh, and wizards are pumping these out uh, at least at least one a year they, mm-hmm. they they put one out and lots of people will just that's what they'll do is they will run those games for their players i see um okay uh some other questions before we before i get into like the next big one because i'm so fascinated by this, this is so interesting absolutely I, i'm more than happy to talk about this for hours um okay you mentioned the expanse yeah that's a sci-fi show on amazon prime it is uh is it it's i thought it was based on a book series or is it based on a role yeah movie? So they are they're <laughs> originally 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 it was going to be uh, the expanse was a, a setting for an MMO that was the idea that was the kind of the original pitch and then it became their uh, the the two writers they it became their home role playing game kind of home brewed system mm-hmm. uh, I believe based based on D and D it may even have been a D twenty future campaign um, and then it became a series of books. Uh, which are great, really, really yeah. good. Um, they are some of the best sci-fi books I've read in a long time. And that was adapted into a television show, which, yeah, is is now, how I think, started on the Sci-Fi Channel, moved to Netflix, and is now at, um, with Amazon, um, and is also really good. Uh, if, if you've not watched I've, it, well worth checking out. I've always wanted to watch it because I've been a little starved for sci-fi. I'm a huge sci-fi fan as well. And mm-hmm. The last okay. major show I got into was Battlestar Galactica. This is is well up there with yeah. kind of quality. Very different feel. Um, very kind of grounded in the people mm-hmm. in a way that I guess um, Battlestar was, was about grander ideas and philosophy and what was the nature of sentience and humanity and stuff that this is, is much more just some people trying to make it through to the next day without being blown up or murdered by forces they can't control. Um, but it's, it's really, really good. I would say that it's stick with it through the first couple of episodes. Yeah. And if by then you're not on board, it may not be for you. Okay. Um, the first couple of episodes, they have a lot of stuff to tell you about the world. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is the, is the problem with any any new series like that is they have to go okay so this is how everything works mm-hmm. um, and you know, this is roughly the level of technology this is the political situation um, and the the politics of the expanse are really important it's the uh, the tension between Earth and Mars who are You're speaking my language man they they are on the verge of of war how Mar- Mars seceded from Earth. And now there is tension between them, and essentially, it's very much like the Cold War. Everyone assumes the shooting is going to start at some point. Yeah, it's just that it's two planets, and that that's not good for anybody. And that's kind of the main thing that's stopping them. While at the same time, essentially, a a, a working underclass of people called the Belters live throughout the asteroid belt, mining uh, water and mining minerals and so on to send back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And back to Mars, and they are they are kind of this this third part of, of this really uneasy truce. But they are they are very much the victims of, mm. of of life. Certainly, the way they would see it is they you know they they are not paid enough. If they ever make a fuss, 
then the people who control them, which are all based on Earth, will simply threaten to reduce the amount of oxygen available, which you can't, can't negotiate with oxygen. Um, that's you, yeah. you need that. Uh, likewise, water, because it's all controlled by much richer people, they are kind of stuck. Oh, that sounds really interesting. I really got to get into that. It's it's a fascinating, fascinating setting, and yeah, if if you enjoy the show, I would also really recommend the books. They are they are superb. Um, okay, and then and then the last thing before my next big question. Okay, is what other fandoms are you a part of? Because you mentioned you're a sci-fi fan. You're wearing a Doctor Who hoodie. Um, yeah. What else? What else are you into? Uh, gosh, so I love comics. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm I'm not one of those people who collects massive long boxes of comics. Um, I try, I, but mostly because I'm trying to keep it under control. But um, I love eventually. Batman. Eventually, you're gonna dip into the into the long box, man. I well, I I at the minute I collect the Fantastic Four. Okay. Um, since that started, I uh, I'm a, a huge fan of. Uh, let me get this right. It's Kurt Busiek's Astro City. Oh, which yeah, is like yeah. a, a love letter to comic books. Um, Vertigo published it for a bit, and then Vertigo stopped being a thing. And every now and again, I tweet Kurt saying, "Where's the more Astro City? We we need more." <laughs> um, but I have so that, but that's been published for for decades, and yeah. I, I have now the trades bar one. So I have all of the trades except for when Vertigo published it. When I have all the all the single issues for that, mm. um, uh, yeah, a load of Batman graphic novels. Um, a few Marvel ones, but I find Marvel a bit a bit harder to get into. I think you kind of need to read it all, mm-hmm. and I haven't the time, brain space, or money for that. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm a huge comic fan as well, and and mm-hmm. for a while I was mostly DC, and then I started getting into some Marvel, and through like X, the current X Men run, I've I've kind of got into Marvel pretty heavily. Sure, I, I think I I don't go past a comic book shop very often. I have mm-hmm. to make a specific kind of tripped to it so that's helped mm-hmm. uh, but free comic book day has been a bit of a, a time when i've onboarded to something it's always uh, fun i yeah i mean it, it's a great day and, and you get to read lots of stuff and every now and again one of them blows your mind um i first really started collecting with um uh, aphrodite nine which is a top cow line i'm very familiar with the artist for that book uh, yeah uh, i mean his art is Stunning. Yeah. Um. I uh. Unfortunately, the stuff that seems to be most successful for him is is not really my thing. Mm. Um. Uh. But uh, Stepan Shech, uh, which is I, I heard him interviewed and he said that's how you say his name. Um, oh, I've always heard Cedric because he came to my so he came so I used to work at a comic book store. Okay. And the very rare time that he came to the states to do conventions. Mm-hmm. He also wanted to do some comic book store, so we we, uh, we were like, uh, so it was like, how do you pronounce the last name? And the people there at Top Cow said it was Cedric. Right. Uh, he he oh. says, or I, I, the one at the time I heard, I heard him say it, it's Shage, as yeah. in uh, it's like Sean Connery saying the word Sage. Okay. Uh, that was how he explained it. That's that stuck. Um, you still kind of need a bit of a run up with uh, Stefan Shage, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is an unbelievably talented artist, and his Aphrodite 9. I fell in love with it had dragons and cyborgs and just you know I, I was in if uh, you if you like his art and you like Batman he did a he did Harleen yes which I I haven't got yet but it's kind yeah. of I, I know is there it's really uh, good he, he also did a fabulous uh, but much too short fantasy series series called Ravine 
Oh yeah, I just picked that up. I was about to read that. It, yeah, uh, in which he he is allowed to design dragons, uh, and he really really goes for it. Um, it it's uh, my only warning to you is that you will get really into it, and then it will stop. <laughs> um, and again, every now and again, I tweet him and, and ask him if. They, and, and I think the latest plan is he might do some illustrated novels. But I think while while Sunstone and the books around that are such a success, and while DC want him to do cover art, mm-hmm. he, his own personal projects are kind of less of a thing. Well, he so he has a Patreon now, which I'm subscribed to, um, where he's doing uh, a mech book, a okay. F- a fantasy book um, mm-hmm. for webtoons, actually, and he says he'll return to Ravine someday, but he but it's kind of in the back burner. Okay, what's the mech book? Because uh, mech is is one of those things that I also very much hardwired to uh, to. Y- you know, out. I'll I'll um I, I've got your I've got your Facebook. I'll send you some of the mm-hmm. designs. They're pretty great. Awesome. He's doing a, a series called um, Achilles Shield Maidens. Okay, I believe it's called. Um, and he's, he started as like warm ups for designing mechs, and he's like, I guess I'm making this into a story now, and it's a bunch of like, um, kind of Evangelion esque mech. Uh, okay, mech sweet. Comics. So it looks really cool. Excellent. Yeah, I, I I love mecha. I've never really found an anime that I got into. Mm-hmm. Um, Pacific Rim was pretty much the most perfect thing designed for me that there's ever love been. Pacific Rim. Um, uh, have have you caught up with the black yet? Yes, it's excellent. It's so good. Um, I loved it, uh, and it's such brave storytelling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say nothing because uh, listeners uh, or viewers may may not have seen episode five yet. But uh, well, just episode uh, one. I mean, episode one, episode one ends, but but episode five really gets. It, yeah, that yeah. that moment, um, which just yeah. I, Immediately, I took to Twitter and started to search for and found other people go, having the same reaction to that same moment. And I, yes. I felt I felt seen. Um, I think the the Pacific Rim, the Black, it, to me is the follow up I want the Pacific Rim Uprising to be. I I had a great time with Pacific Rim Uprising because they were giant robots smashing giant <laughs> monsters. Uh, I, I was in. Um, I sure. I like the characters. It was not Pacific Rim. Uh, no. Pacific Rim managed some things that, uh, but just the fact that everything felt heavy mm-hmm. was was a real kind of just a, some kind of trick of cinematography that I suspect you need Guillermo del Toro at the helm to achieve. Yeah, I, I've always said my only problem with Pacific Rim Uprising is that it doesn't have the passion that Pacific Rim had. It's really, yeah. what it really what it comes down to. Uh, but it. it I think I, I remember seeing it in the cinema and thinking, "Huh, this is a mystery story." Okay, I'm, I'm in a, for that. There's really good elements in it. Like I really like what they do with Newt and some of the kaiju stuff mm-hmm. with the mechs. I think that's really cool. Yep. Yeah. No, it's 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 a film I still enjoy. Uh, yeah. it, it is not as good as the first one, but what could be? I know um, the first one's so good. Just uh, if they could have pulled the trick off of doing something that good again, you know. I, and I think. I think Pacific Rim one didn't just didn't make the money that they kind of hoped. Definitely, definitely not in the states. It did all right in China, but it just it didn't do enough for what happened. Was Legendary didn't Legendary was interested in continuing, but they took too long and, Gil, and Del Toro left the project. Yeah, so that's what happened. And just yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I 
that that was the sort of film that if I could go back and tell ten year old me about the future, that would be the first thing I would mention because <laughs> it's it's like the best Saturday morning cartoons of my childhood, but with multi million dollar live action movie budgets. It it was, yeah. It just looks beautiful. It's such a great movie. I love it so much. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Now the 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 the, the big question that I ask everyone is now okay. that you. You've done your podcast. You're doing your podcast. You're in all these fandoms. You you you're now in the tabletop RPG fandom. Um, mm-hmm. What? How do you? Sorry. How do you interact with your fan? How do you interact with that fandom now? It's kind of like a. What I've noticed is that podcasters sometimes become a leader in fandoms because they have a voice where a lot of people don't, um, and for some reason it's hard for people to do podcasts, um, but. Now you interact with your fandom in a whole different way. You're introduced to so many different people within it. How, how do you interact with them there? How do you kind of navigate your fandom? Uh, Twitter, I think, yeah. is the is the 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 biggest thing. Um, we yeah, we our, our biggest presence is on Twitter. Um, I I love Twitter anyway. And when I've never heard find... anybody said that, I've done the show. I've done like ten episodes of the show. I've never heard anybody say that. I I I do. I think that's this may be because I work at it. Um, uh, not not work at, at being brilliant at Twitter because if you follow my Twitter feed, you'll see it's fine. Um, <laughs> but it's not it's it's not amazing. Uh, but I curate it quite hard, mm-hmm. so I I try and only keep it to the things that I want to read about. Sure. Um, I I remember seeing someone I follow essentially put, ugh, um, that something had happened within within some part of the tabletop community mm-hmm. and it was troubling him and i didn't know what it was and i thought success i've curated my timeline properly so that i don't know about the jerk whatever it is i, I don't have to deal with it because I, yeah. I don't know about it um and that that helps um i try and stay up to date with the news and a lot of that is listening to other podcasts mm-hmm. um so uh, i i mean i i am not up to date with critical role i'm about well, trouble is, three episodes is like twelve hours behind. But I'm so I'm I'm a day's worth of watching Critical Role sure. behind, uh, and will be for some time, I suspect. But I I, I watch that because that's that's a kind of big part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, not always for the right reasons. Uh, as I say, there's this kind of idea that everyone sees Matt Mercer as the kind of the perfect uh, DM, and as a result, people who know they'll never be that can be discouraged and people who and, and can feel the weight of being expected to be this guy um but it's useful to to, to see what that is and, and to know what things i can do and what things i need to lean into other things with mm-hmm. um there are so en world which is a a role-playing publisher has a, a podcast called morris's unofficial tabletop rpg talk I think that's what it's called. Uh, and they are, as far as I'm aware, the only news show where the main focus is RPG news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I kind of stay up to date with with what is going on um, through that. Um, in particular, what are the what's the kind of new exciting stuff? Um, but uh, and sometimes it's as awkward as you know what, what rearrangements have been made within Hasbro. But it's it's worth kind of staying in touch with but for the most part it is it is twitter and when we're allowed to do it again conventions 
when you can go and sit at tables and try games and meet the designers and and see the stuff um and sometimes you go and you see a thing and you go i must have it that will make my game better Mm -hmm. um there's uh i think running at the minute is a giveaway from a company called loki battle mats and they do fabulous fabulous uh books so spiral bound books with uh essentially printed out scenery for your game um i i have their sci-fi their giant book of sci-fi battle maps and it's great um and and stuff like that knowing that that stuff exists because i'm i'm not an artist when when i am asked to sketch out the uh what you know the scenery we're going to play on it doesn't look great but when you can mm-hmm. lay down something new and exciting but looks great um, it can really help lift the session. So going to cons, meeting people, chatting with designers. Uh, one of the real privileges as a as a podcaster is that I have an excuse to ask for people's time and to say, oh, c- can, I, can we chat about this thing? And because I'm going to record it and then put it on the internet, it's fine. And it's not a weirdo just wanting to chat to somebody for an hour. And that's cool. I mean, I, the, the irony is not lost, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it turns out most of us are kind of happy to chat about this stuff at great length. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, clearly, I am. Uh, but, yeah, but it, nonetheless, it's it's sort of odd ringing up a publisher and saying, could we just chat for a bit? Yeah. But I, I the podcast gives me an excuse to do that. And so I've had the privilege of, yeah, of interviewing some, uh, some games designers who, yeah, I, I guess... D- wouldn't normally just make the time to to be rung up and chat to people. Um, so you you sound like you, you you enjoy your fandom. Yeah, I I would say that there are there are problematic and there are toxic elements to to the fandom, but I suspect there are to fandoms. Oh yeah, um, everywhere. But if if you curate it right, um, and I think there's for every, I mean, gatekeeping is a real kind of issue. Which I again, as I say, most fandoms seem to have a gatekeeping mm-hmm. issue. Um, that seems to be something that more and more people. There are enough people who go, well, no, we're just not going to put up with that. That for everyone that, where in particular, where uh, um, female players come to a table and are made to feel unwelcome because it's it's become a very guy space. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other tables that have just no time for that. And and will make sure they're welcoming. Uh, more and more books and games as they're written contain advice for making sure you're helping people to join in and helping people to get the most out of it. Um, safety tools is a, a a big kind of talking point that's becoming more and more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Just ways to make sure that nobody is having an uncomfortable time because it's a shared storytelling experience that can go in all sorts of directions. It's important that if they're going to be challenging or difficult elements in a way that with a film you just go well nope I don't, I, and walk out there's a social pressure to stay and be involved and equally with a film you can you can just pause it and sort of and take a minute whereas if if you don't make it really clear that's what you need to do and if everybody's not bored with that things can continue mm-hmm. um and so, yes, safety tools, the simplest of which is a thing called the X card, which is recommended at, at any, any game without people you know well. You just put a card in the middle of the table with an X on it w- with a, an understanding that if anybody touches that, you stop the game and you work out which element of the game you need to change because someone has become very uncomfortable. That's really cool. 
And games without that, I mean, I my style of game is pretty PG. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just kind of my uh, that's what I the games games I like to run. Um, yeah, uh, uh, kind of yeah. Um, or PG thirteen because in America uh, that you know. Sex is not a big thing in my games. Romance isn't isn't a big thing in, in in my games, but a lot of that is driven by the players. You know, if that becomes something that kind of becomes part of their character, maybe, maybe it is, and, and you have to kind of work with it. But working out how to make sure that everyone is safe, if you're going to, particularly with with horror games where the uh, content can be really challenging, that's something that you need to need, need to think about. But I mean, something as as simple as one of the recurring monsters in our game are giant arachnids mm-hmm. and not everyone is cool with that and it's important to check if if someone has a real problem with something like that that they say and you know and the game can be adjusted to to compensate for that so yeah i i would say there are for every person who makes the fandom toxic there are increasing numbers of people who are working at how to teach people to make it inclusive so it isn't just that people are wanting to but they're being shown how um and so you will hear lots of talk about session zero and lines and veils which are just uh session zero is what you do at the beginning of a campaign to say okay this is the sort of thing we're doing let's make sure we all want the same thing because if someone wants a kind of elaborate romance story and other people want an action thriller, that isn't going to work. You just need to need to work out what you want, but also allows you to say, okay, this sort of thing might happen, but we're we're just going to draw a line under it and say that happened, um, or rather, this we'll draw a veil over that and just say it happened. Mm-hmm. And other things that this won't happen. This is a line in our game; we won't cross it, and that allows people to feel safe. Oh, that's really interesting. I had no idea about any of that. It, it's the the sort of thing that you only really discover by yeah engaging with with other people. Um, mm-hmm. As I say, it's becoming more and more of a common thing to put in your in your rule book mm-hmm. to say, okay, this this is how to how to make people feel comfortable with this. Um, I believe horror games have been doing it for a while. I, I'm not a horror guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just horror doesn't appeal so i wouldn't reach for a horror game so uh, uh, well you, you might want elements of of that in it um uh, and your your latest episode that I, I caught up with was covered the some of the alien franchise oh yeah, yeah alien is a great movie aliens is a much better movie for me it's got it's got guns and explosions and you know that's that's much more my vibe and and you can kind of and i i Sometimes I like to include that kind of element in my game, but I, I, yeah, I wouldn't make horror the main focus of my game. So without engaging with designers and, and other people who have more experience in this sort of thing, I, I, I wouldn't have come across it either. But um, okay. yeah, it, it really helps. I have one more question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you feel about uh, tabletop RPGs being portrayed in, in, in media? Like, do you think it's like accurate or like I watch Community and they have a pretty famous D&D episode. I, yeah, I, I would say that it is mixed, yeah. but from my knowledge of, of everything else, I, I so um, in my 20s, I used to play a lot of paintball, mm-hmm. and the way paintball was portrayed in any kind of media <laughs> drove me crazy. Uh, I mean, community manages pretty much to go 
yeah, okay, it, guns and, and paint pellets, but that's the last association with paintball we have. Mm-hmm. But nobody wears full face masks in any kind of TV or movie paintballing sequence. So it just doesn't look like paintball. Whereas I would say that when D&D and other tabletop role-playing games, uh, although it is almost always D&D or, or some D&D-esque thing, um, you know, with a, the serial numbers filed off so you can't prove it's D&D, but it's, it's D&D. <laughs> when that happens, I would say it's usually a lot closer. Mm-hmm. It's not always elegant, um, but they... They have a they have a thing to do, and it's not show everyone how great D and D is. Um, I think if you want that, then there are loads of web streams and web shows and podcasts that what they really want to do is go. This is cool. Look how much fun we're having, rather than tell you about the characters and interacting. So I think um, community really it's a, that that episode is about Pierce being kind of driven away from uh, from the group and the group's desire to encourage Neil as opposed to here's how tabletop role-playing works. Although that episode, I think there's a lot that's good about the way it works. Um, I, I, the, the way that Abed kind of explains things and the, the central kind of, there's the D20 that's there, but a a well-run game would never have spiraled off in the way it did, but I understand why the story had to. Um, I think, Again, increasingly, it's being portrayed in a positive light, as opposed to it being the thing that awkward nerds do because they can't interact with normal people, mm-hmm. which is is encouraging. Um, because actually, it's it, it's a one of the extraordinary things about it. While it has a really kind of nerdy reputation, and I guess hard to argue that it doesn't have nerdy elements, it's also something that you have to gather a group of people to spend time together doing. Yeah. So it's it's fundamentally social. Uh, real quickly, I just want to say that uh, if you heard any banging outside my outside, my cat has opened my door and has walked in like a velociraptor. So they, it was it was cat or dog, and I can't tell from the shot, but uh, <laughs> he's a monster. They they are. Um, if they're not the center of attention, cats have got a problem, and they they only have a few violent tools to fix it. But um... yeah. opening doors. Okay. Anyway, so that's. That's really all I got for you, my man. Uh, thank you so much. This is really great. I want to give you the opportunity now to plug anything you want. Okay. Um, well, th- thank you so much for the opportunity to to chat about. Yeah, as I say, tabletop role playing is is a, a hobby that I love. Um, I, I would say first thing, if you have considered giving it a go or you fancy giving it a go, there are so many free ways to do it that um, you should you should do that. Um, uh, D&D has its basic set of rules and D&D Beyond has lots of free tools so there are ways to to kind of to try that out but almost every franchise you imagine has a role playing game and almost every single one of them has a quick start which mm-hmm. is a, a free here's how the game works here's a bit of stuff to get you started to allow you to try out maybe something different um, gather a group of like minded friends and give it a go um, I would strongly recommend that that being said, uh, the D20 Future Show is an audio podcast and Twitch stream. We uh, put out uh, an episode fortnightly. At the minute, we're going through a series of lockdown interviews, talking with uh, tabletop role players about how they have experienced lockdown, how they have played role playing games through lockdown. Because um, it, it's, I think I said earlier, it's very much changed the way we've played. But a lot for a lot of us, we've just played more, which mm-hmm. is is good. Uh, you can find the D20 Future Show 
on uh, all good, neutral, and evil podcast platforms. You can find us on Twitter at D20 Future Show. You can find us on Facebook if you search for the D20 Future Show. You can find us on YouTube where we put uh, video episodes up and uh, the odd other thing. Um, I would say that YouTube is probably not the best place to find us. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash D20 Future Show. You can catch the VOD and you can catch our live broadcast there. Okay. Um, uh, if I think that's the limit of the ways you can get involved in uh, in the show. If you want to email us, uh, you can do that. It's d20futureshow at gmail.com. Uh, but if you're not listening to the podcast, then I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if uh, you want to know how to get involved in tabletop role-playing, then um, there is a wonderful community of people who would love to show you how. Uh, and if you get in touch with me on Twitter, then I will point you in their direction or give you my advice. Awesome. Um, I think that's the end of my plugs. You have so uh, slick. you have a SoundCloud and you have your own Twitter Twitter account. Yeah, so uh, I have a personal Twitter account, um, which is uh, at Richard Kirk, which is mostly screaming into the void about politics and then trying to control myself from screaming into the void about politics by retweeting cute kitten videos. Um, uh, I uh, kind of I, I reserve the tabletop role playing stuff for uh, the T Twenty Future Show. Um, so they're, they're kind of I, I, I keep them separate mostly because otherwise I end up retweeting everything on both and that that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, our SoundCloud is a place where we keep our trailers. Um, so if you search on SoundCloud for the D20 Future Show, you will find a 60 second and a 30 second audio clip, which is me trying to persuade you to listen to the show. But wh- why not just go to our uh, to whichever podcast provider you use and search for us and have a listen there. We have quite recently. I'm going to keep going because you've uh, you've unleashed me. Um, <laughs> we have uh, we've quite recently put out a the story so far episode. Um, if you wanted to listen to that, uh, that will get you up to speed with the story so far quite quickly, and you will be yeah you'll be caught up. It's it's relatively short, um, but covers everything you need to know to get on board with our superhero campaign. Okay, very cool. Um, well, like I said, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. I've learned a lot, and I I hope you have had a good time. I had a wonderful time. Uh, I, I really enjoy the sound of my own voice. So uh, getting to talk about something I love for ages is great. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on, Brandon. It's uh, been a real privilege. Oh, thank you. Once again, thank you to Robert Kirk from the D20 Future Show um, for coming on and talking about his podcast and informing me all about D&D fandom culture and all sorts of things. Um, I had a really great chat and I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed doing it. He, of course, mentioned where you can find all of his stuff, but I've linked everything down below, everything that I can find anyway, um, his social medias, his podcast linked. So if you want to subscribe to that show, check out the link below. Uh, if you want to subscribe to his Twitter, that's linked below. So check it out. And if you want to check out more from me, uh, you can, of course, check out the links below. Uh, I've linked our website, which is fictorpodcast.com, our YouTube page that has most of our shows. Um, we have a bunch of shows on this network. Uh, of course, the Fickner Podcast, which I've said up top is doing Sweet Tooth. There's Fickner Book Club, um, which is kind of on a hiatus now, but we'll probably get that up and running again by the end of the month. Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Victor's Watch, which is starting Loki. Um, tons of cool stuff. Um, tons of exciting stuff, especially because our fifth anniversary special is dropping this Saturday, June 12th. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. It is something special. Um, so 
stay tuned. Check it out. And again, if you want to get in touch with me about being on the show, I'm more than happy to, to talk to you and schedule schedule you a uh, time. Um, that's fakenerdguys at gmail.com or, of course, BT McClure on all the social medias. Um, get in touch. I'd love to hear more about, more for podcasters um, like yourselves. And next week, I'm talking to Karis Car- Lunn. Sorry, I mispronounced that again. Uh, who runs the Kingdom Minds podcast, which is Kingdom Hearts podcast, and the Retrospective podcast, Wrecked Retrospective podcast. Uh, she was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy that one as well. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one with Robert Kirk. Thank you again, Robert. Of course, make sure to subscribe. We're on all podcasting platforms. And uh, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you guys what you guys are thinking about the show. Again, the reception, the show's been doing pretty well, but I want to hear some reviews. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, all right. Until next time, stay true to the fan and you.